Smooth season has arrived. Summer's the time to show off your best skin and best self. Visit European Wax Center to find your new state of smooth. Your first wax is free. Select services only. Exclusions apply. Visit waxcenter.com for details. Welcome back to another episode of Exo Nicole's She Comes First podcast, brought to you by European Wax Center. I'm your host and editor-in-chief of Exo Nicole, Brooke Obi. She Comes First is a podcast that celebrates Black women who are prioritizing themselves in every area of life, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, sexually. We get into it all. We're talking to some of our favorite people about the art and practice of soul care as self-care, intending to the true essence of who we are. Today's guest is Elaine Welteroth, who made history at Condé Nast as the first Black editor-in-chief of Teen Vogue and as the youngest editor-in-chief in Condé Nast history. Her memoir, More Than Enough, was an instant New York Times bestseller. You've seen her on Project Runway and on The Talk, You've seen her viral photos from her gorgeous pandemic wedding. And most recently, she became a new mom. So congratulations, Elaine. Thank you so much for coming on. We're so happy to have you here on She Comes First. Thank you so much, Brooke. I'm so happy that you that you had me on. This is exciting. I haven't done a podcast in I don't know how long. This is my first like post-baby podcast. Oh. So I'm okay, well, I'm honored. That's you. amazing. Um, and we're going to get all into you being a new mom <laughs> and this adorable baby. But I feel like first we have to discuss what is going on in black girl history right now. We have Beyonce dropping her latest masterpiece, Renaissance, and we're all getting our lives. Do you have a favorite song off the album? Oh, man, I feel like this. I wasn't prepared for this pop culture pop quiz. See, like normally I would be all in it, but I feel like having a baby is taking me out the game a little bit for the time being. But I did. I, I, I should give myself some credit because I did like after putting the baby to sleep, I decided to unbox everything that had been piling up in my office while I listened to every song. But that means I wasn't looking at the names of the okay. song. So, but there is one, there is one, and you got to help me out. I will, title, I know them all, I, I will tell you. You know them all, okay, yes. cool. So so the one where she's like, ass getting thicker. Uh, that hey. one, that is my yes. shit, that is my jam. <laughs> I feel that on a deep personal level because I have a little bit more, I have a little bit more junk yes. in the trunk and I, after having the baby and I'm very excited about it. Like I know no, no mom, like no new, no new mom wants to hear that. But like when you've been skinny your whole life and you got a little, some, some for the first time you, it's like, it's honestly like a badge of honor. I am wearing it like a badge of honor. So when I heard that, that lyric, I was like, that's me. That's, this yes. is my new jam. Yes. No, I feel Which like. What song is that? It's thick. Okay. Oh, duh. With the Q U E, that's how she. With she's the spelled. Q U E. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love that she is um, deconstructing the narrative that has always existed around like bounce back body yes. culture after a baby. Like I feel weird saying 
to some in some people's company that like I like my body better now and I'm not trying to snap back to what like my old body can can stay my old body like I'm trying to I'm embracing this like I'm here for this like I don't want I don't want it back you can keep her you know what I mean like and I don't think anyone ever says that and I don't think it's really it's up till now maybe it wasn't really acceptable or accepted to say that because so many women are are striving to get back to the body Mm -hmm. before the baby and um so it's almost like an unpopular it's an unpopular um thing to accept what you have after the fact and to not be trying to get back to what was before but embracing this new normal and like so just give it up to Beyonce for because because I I feel like she's giving me permission to be exactly where I am and to claim the new body and to not be ashamed about that and to not be trying to get back to something else. This is absolutely. better. Yes, absolutely. I mean, she's been doing this since Bootylicious, you know, just embracing her right. body and going against the grain and then all the way up to homecoming and talking about how she's, you know, not getting back to that size. And she may never get back to that size before three children and how much she has found love and joy in her new body. And I love that you're saying about just being in a new era, like, and this is a new body and it's a new you. So who is this new Elaine? You've shared so much of your life in your memoir and, you know, we've seen you on TV. We've, we've seen your interviews and all that you want to share on Instagram, but who is Elaine as a mom? Who are... Who is the new you? Mm. Elaine 2.0. I feel like I'm, I do, I feel like I'm me 2.0. And I am, I'm still me, but I think that a softer side has emerged Mm. and I like her. Um, I think a more nurturing side, um, I think, I've had to, I've been forced into surrender. I think that's what pregnancy does to a woman and her body and her life. Like you have to just relinquish any sense of control over your body, over your life, over the changes that are happening. And um, it's painful, it's hard, it's uncomfortable as hell, but I think what emerges on the other side is so beautiful and so worthwhile and i don't think you can get to the other side without going through through it you know your our moms always say like black mamas always say uh you know you can't get to it but to go through it and i really identify with that now i do feel like i've kind of i I, i've been forged through the fire and i'm emerging as um, a, a, a different version of myself that I really, I'm getting to know her still, but I like her and I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm calmer. I feel like I am more okay with not striving to force any issue. Like I'm not striving to be heard. I'm not striving to fit a circle into a square. I'm not striving to change your mind. I'm not striving to, you know, push a push a rock up a hill. I feel like I've spent so much of my career like trying to make change, trying to force um, change. Sometimes it was welcomed, other times it wasn't. Um, but either way, I was in there just like disrupting the status quo. quo and I do think that 
that's a part of my purpose on this planet. Like, I do think I'm a change maker. I do think I'm meant to blaze trails. I do think I'm meant to agitate and um, hopefully for the better. But I also think like that's not that's not always my job, and that's not something I always need to take on. And I'm I'm really enjoying like embracing sitting certain things out Mm -hmm. and like letting it be somebody else's job sometimes to do that kind of work and like not taking on that emotional labor and like tuning out of things that don't feel good in my spirit um backing away from debates that i don't have the energy to take on you know like i think i'm in a self-preservation season and and i like it oh i love that i love that that is beautiful um i want to come back to all of that but you mentioned something about your mom um, and that was one of the things I really loved about your book is that, you know, on the audio book, you had your mom coming in and reciting those parts of the book that, you know, were her sayings or things that she said to you. So I'm wondering yeah. what you're taking from her in your motherhood journey. Oh, that's such a great question. And yeah, my mom is the hero of my book. She's like the actual, like, I think people, like, you come to the book thinking you're coming for me, but you're actually, you're going to get my mom. Like that is, she's the, she's like the the hero of my story. And she is the hero of this season for sure. That is for sure. My mom came and stayed with us for three months, one month before I had the baby and two months after. And honestly, best gift I've ever been given. Um, You know, this is a real transition in life. Like this is probably the biggest rite of passage that a person goes through, you know, bringing new life into this world. And I think the energy and the role models that you have around you during that transition make all the difference in the world. And one thing that I got to observe about my mom is just how unbothered she is, like by some of the challenges of new motherhood that would send me like like into frazzle mode, like she's not, she's been here, done that. She's not about to be frazzled over a baby crying. You know, she's, babies cry, Elaine. You know, like she's that mom. She's just like, like, like if something, if my baby starts uh, making any, I'm like, oh no. And she's like, girl, babies cry, hand them to me. Like she, and like, she just, has this like steadfast, like this really steady, calming, unfussy, like unbothered energy that I strive for. Like, you know, I I had the nerve to try to be like, mom, like the baby doesn't sleep when you hold him like that. Like the baby only sleeps when you hold him like this. And she said, girl, if you don't get out, (laughs) out my face, I have done this already two times and with all my cousins like I I know what I'm doing with this baby just hand him to me and she would just like sit there and put the baby in a position I've never seen him like lay in comfortably and he just goes there and on her lap and she'll just sway him to sleep while patting his back watching her tv show like meanwhile me and Jonathan trying to get this baby to sleep it's like a full two-person full-time job we're like taking turns shushing we're like rocking and we're like it's so much effort it's so much like you know like the process and strategy and my mom's just like sitting back just watching her show giggling drinking her tea and the baby just passes out right on her lap and I do think that there is something really dope about 
like just a mother's love, a grandmother's love. Like she's she she, she became our like north star. We're like if she's not tripping, then maybe we don't need to be tripping, you know? And I just think that 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 actually is a great way to be in life, you know? Like she just lets things roll off her shoulders like water and she just keeps she just keeps staying steady in her flow. So she's my icon. I love that. No, definitely we need more of that energy. Um, and I love what you were saying about being in your self-preservation era. So I want to get back to that because you posted something on IG that I thought was so real. I mean, it's this meme where it's probably somebody that was well-meaning that was like, women, you can't do it all. You know, don't stop trying to do it all. And you were like, well, who's going to do it? Like, and I feel that. So so what, what do you do? How do you manage that, you know, tension between the fact that stuff has to get done and, you know, you need to also remind yourself that you're not superwoman, not try to do everything um, and that some things may just not happen. Like, how, what's your process been like? How, how do you get into your self-preservation era? I'm just kind of sliding into it and surrendering in every breath I can, surrendering perfectionism, um, it's a process because I think, you know, especially for a lot of black women, high achieving, ambitious black women and women in general, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, whether we're conscious of it or not. Um, you know, we've, we've had to strive for perfection in every area of our lives, particularly professionally, in order to, um, you know, have have some impact and make a difference and make shit happen in this world. You know, we it, it does a lot of times feel like you're pushing a boulder up a damn hill every day, all day long. And I think that um, I had the energy for that in my 20s, but um, and in my 30s. And I think that it has taken, you know, giving life to someone who whose peace relies on my piece to really make some shifts in my energy expenditure, to make sure that I am preserving the best of me, the best of my energy for what matters most, which is my baby and my home life and my husband and who sustains me. And I think that I've done a lot of giving, 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 pouring into the world, my job and people and things that don't necessarily pour back into me. Um, and I just keep investing and keep pouring in because it's like this call, of, to call to duty. I don't know that no one even appointed me in, in moments that I've just taken it on. And I've just decided like, you know, I, th I think it's not even, it's less me deciding. And I think it's like life has reorganized itself around this new life that I've brought, in, brought into the world. And I think there's something really beautiful about becoming a mother and understanding almost on a cellular level that the survival of your offspring relies on you to be your best self and you're like again like on a on a cellular level you are constantly co-regulating with this little person and ever since he was in my womb anytime i got worked up which is a lot 
I'm high energy, I'm a Sagittarius, I'm a fire sign, like I'm passionate, I care deeply about things, I feel all the things so deeply all the time that like I'm always like operating up here, you know, I'm hovering up here, but every time I found, found myself getting worked up, I would get kicked from my inside, I would get like, it felt like I was being punished from my insides, like calm down. Like he didn't like that energy. And so I would have, I would have to find myself bringing my voice down, like taking a breath, cleansing breath. And I just have noticed that who the spirit was inside is who the spirit is on the outside. And it, and he requires me to stay in a peaceful place in order for him to feel peaceful. And one of the one of the intentions that I set when I when I became a mom was that I wanted to introduce my son to peace. I want him to know peace above all else. I want I want his normal to be peaceful. That's his baseline. So, in order for for me to create that envir environment for him, I have to master the art of living in a peaceful state internally. Like, let's start back um, when, what is this, 2012, when you were uh, made the beauty director of Teen Vogue um, at Condé Nast. And I, it struck me because this is something you're sharing in, the, in your memoir that you turned that job down. You didn't know that you were ready for that job. Um, this was other people around you who were like, no, I see. I see who you can be. Um, I see what you've done and I see where you're going and I wanna put you there. Um, and so are there times now um, where you're moving into different spaces, whether it's um, writing a book or being on TV or going someplace that you, you didn't necessarily feel like maybe you were trained, um, but people obviously wanna hear from you, they wanna see you and they want you in these new places. Um, have you had those moments still of doubt in yourself about, well, can I, can I do this? Or has that time passed? Are you just in a new era, um, stepping into your confidence, stepping into your power um, with all the love and support and this new frame of mind that you have? Oh, that's a beautiful question. Thank you for that. Um, I think I evaluate opportunities differently in this season. And I think, um, it's a privilege and I need to acknowledge that it's a privilege to be able to, to be in a position where you're setting criteria for how you make decisions about opportunities that come your way um, or that you go after. I think, I think you have to, there's a certain part of it. Well, and then just to answer your question, yes, I still have doubts and yes, I still run through like, a list of criteria before I get to a hell yes. And I've talked about this before, um, but for me in this stage of life, it is either a no or a hell ass yes. Like it cannot be in between. I have to feel enthusiasm like surging through my veins before I can get to a yes. And that's not always realistic like sometimes you gotta make a decision, sis, when you still feel in doubts and you're still a little scared or you're still not sure if this is the right thing. And, but I do, I do set up for those moments. I think what's really helpful is to have a set of criteria 
for yourself that only you can define mm -hmm. that you then run opportunities through as they come up um, that you use to help you make decisions based on integrity and what actually motivates you and what actually feels good in your spirit and what and what fulfills your needs you know whether that's financial or you know some other way like yeah i think sometimes you have to compromise to get ahead and to get where you're ultimately trying to go so that criteria will look different for everybody it will look different for me depending on the different seasons that i'm in i think it's important to know what your priorities are and allow your priorities to to dictate your your hell yeses or your strong no's you know what i mean and i i, I don't know what interview this was, but I do remember hearing Will Smith say that like the only way he's been able to navigate life as a successful actor and a successful father is by before any opportunity comes up, he has already defined for himself very clearly that his kids and his family are the most important thing. This is the priority. So it allows any opportunity that comes to it's a filter so it's like is this going to take away from my number one priority in a way that takes me out of integrity that takes me out of alignment with what my highest intention is for my life if so that's a no sis like that's a no and i just i loved that i i have embraced that philosophy um through life and and you know but there are times where like again when you are high achieving type a like driven and you have a you have goals in your mind for yourself um sometimes life surprises you and hits you with something that you weren't even you weren't even aiming at and so it doesn't necessarily feel right in your spirit right away, but that doesn't mean it's not necessarily the right thing for you. Sometimes you just have to surrender what your dream was and let go and let God over deliver and, and work through the doubt with you. Um, and, and like go through the, pro allow yourself to go through the process. Like I, I, that's what I always, I, whenever someone brings me like a question about whether or not they should do a thing, I have lots of questions. Like, let's just go through the process. Let's like embrace that this is always going to be a process. And you're not necessarily always gonna know right away. Um, I think the best things in my life, I have rejected at first. So I think it's really important to pay attention to your patterns and to pay attention to how God speaks to you. I think, I think whether you believe in God, a higher power, universe, um, if you believe that there is a guiding force um, in your life, if there is a, you know, I'm not gonna get all into the woo-woo-ness of it, but the point is like, if you, if you look back and take inventory of your life and the, and the shifts and the twists and turns of, of your journey, you can usually identify that there's a pattern to how you're led to make decisions or how you're led to move. And for me, I've recognized like the best things in life, each and every one I have rejected like wholeheartedly 
at first because I always think I have a better plan. I have a better way. Like it's supposed to look different. It's not this time. Like I got all the excuses for why it ain't, this ain't it. Like, thank you God, but this ain't it. I have sent back the dream, the, the dream job that literally put me on the trajectory that I'm still writing on today. That like, I know for a fact, I wouldn't be even on this podcast with you if I had never ended up in that seat of influence that was being handed to me that I turned down at first, that then came back around for me, you know? My husband, even this baby, I was just like, what? Not now, like all of the best things in my life, they were not my plan. And so I think once you have some, some of that under your belt, like some lived experience under your belt, you know you don't really know mm. shit you know that actually you don't always know best. And like sometimes the best things in life are things that you, you, you did not, you didn't do the work for that. You didn't aim for that, but it's for you. And I do think that what is for you can't be unfor you. That's like a Jamaican <laughs> proverb that my ex told me, he used to always say that, he, you know, he, I'm glad he's not in my life, but I did keep that from him. And I think it's true. Like the best things in your life, when they're, when it is for you, it cannot be unfor you. So even if you reject it at first, um, even if you doubt it at first, or you doubt yourself, or you doubt the timing, you, you can rest easy trusting in the timing of your life. Well, amen to all of that. Um, I think we're going to call that chapter. Uh, what God has for you is for you. I'm going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with more of the amazing Elaine Belterov. Hey everybody, this is Elaine Welteroth and you are listening to Exo Nicole's She Comes First, brought to you by European Wax Center. Thank you so much again for joining us. Now, I wanna play just a little quick game uh, with you, it's called X or O. Um, for Exo okay. Nicole, for all of our, our Exo tribe. Um, we're sponsored by European Wax Center too. So we're um, just trying to see a little bit about your personal self care. So this will just be some like rapid fire, really quick questions. Um, then we Wait, can get what's back the into X it. and what's the O? I'm going to tell you the X and the O, and then you just tell me which one of the two you prefer. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. X, natural makeup routine or O, a full beat? Natural, X, all day. X, matte lipstick or O, glossy lipstick? Glossy, lately, I've, re I've rediscovered lip gloss and I'm very much here for it. X or O, last one, X is massage and O is facial. O, massage, all day, every day, please and thank you. That's the best thing I could ever, that's the best gift I could ever get, apart from food, is a massage. Are you kidding me? I love it more than anything. I can give myself a facial, I got the products. I can like slather my face <laughs> up. But can somebody please rub my body, like at all times? I would, honestly, my like dream would be to have a massage at the end of every day in my house, every day before bed. 
Like, does anyone do that? I wonder if Oprah does I'm that. sure. <laughs> oh, I'm sure she does. She had a house right? for her hairdresser, so I feel like a masseuse could just slide right in there. I don't know. COVID yeah. is a little different, but... they can have, Maybe they can have their own house, too. You know, it's possible. We'll we put that on your list. <laughs> we'll put that, put that on, on your... my manifestation list. Everything that you have put down has manifested, so I believe in it. I believe in you. You can do it. <laughs> I want to hear all about it. <laughs> now, before the break, um, you were talking um, so much about the black women in your circle that have supported you, that have helped you along. Um, but I think one of the most beautiful things about your journey um, and something I think that epitomizes this idea of she comes first is when you left Teen Vogue. I mean, this is, you know, this historic um, appointment, um, all these black people looking up to you, like you're, you're the first and you've talked so much about being the first and the only and what that does and the pressure of that and deciding, I'm gonna do something else. I'm gonna take a new journey. I'm gonna take a new leap. Um, and you know, some people may be disappointed about that. Some people may think I shouldn't do that or I have to stick it out for however long because you know, I'm the first and what if we never get enough? And like all of those fears that people project on the firsts, yes. on the onlys. Um, and you made a decision for yourself. So tell me about how you got the courage to do that and to continue in all of your transitions um, in all the different areas of life that you are exploring and now prioritizing family and fitting everything else into that. I, I, I just think that we all have our own inner compass that guides, that guides us and that knows better than the rest of the world when it's time to move, when it's time to go left, even if the whole world is saying go right. And I think we it's our job to stay tapped in to what that compass is showing you, what's what it's telling you. And I think, you know, I've said before, um, I've said this like many, many times because I it's one of my like mantras, if you will, as um, when the music changes, so must your dance. And I think that, you know, w the only inevitable in life is change. And so we, when we delude ourselves into thinking that we've like arrived at our destination, like I have found that's when life just laughs in your face and like just throws you a curveball. And so I think it's better to be in a in a posture to pivot, um, to accept to to expect the pivot, to expect that the music will change, to enjoy the present, and to do your to to like live up to your highest um, purpose in the present, whether that's a relationship or a job. Um, whether you're called to action, whether you're in a season of stillness, to really be purposeful and present for it, but to also know that everything is temporary and that it always gets better than this. That's something that I have always told myself since high school. Like, it's gonna get better than this. It always gets better, even when it feels like it you don't know, really know how that's gonna, you don't, you feel like it can't get better than this or it will never get better than this. Like sometimes I think we can stay stuck um, with those thoughts 
ruminating, but when you just remind yourself, like, it always gets better, and like, this is just temporary, it allows you to remain fluid and to go with the flow of your life and, and not against it. And so then you welcome, you welcome change, you welcome new possibilities and you seek them out. And when the music changes and you're tuned into that and you know it's time, okay, it's time to make some changes, it, as t it will still be terrifying. It will still be hard. It will still be painful and uncomfortable, but then, but then you move through that part and then you get to like the good stuff on the other side. And like, there's so much good. There's so much, like, I feel like life is waiting for you on the other side of fear. So I, when I feel that paralyzing fear, I'm like, okay, I know it's gonna get really good now. Like it's gonna be really good on the other side of this. But you, again, you, the only way to it is through it. So you have to go through that stuff, the hard stuff. Um, and I knew to answer your question, like I, I knew going, coming into my magazine career that it would be a season, that it would be a chapter, but that it would not be my forever. And I didn't, what I, what I didn't know is that that chapter was going to be, was going to be as fast and as furious as it was. And that I would be in a position to move on. At, you know, as quickly as I was like that, I never in a million years would have predicted. Um, so that's how I navigated. I mean, I, when it came to the time, when I, I, yes, a lot of my identity was now like built around being an editor in chief and working for Teen Vogue and, you know, the world held me up as a first, as the youngest. And, you know, there was a lot of, there were a lot of young women of color that I think, you know, had some sort of stake in like me staying there and like continuing to kill it. And it's like, I know I came and I did what I came to do. And I knew that there was more for me to do. I could feel it burning a hole in my stomach. And also the world was shifting. The culture was shifting. It was time. Like I did it and I could hand it off and I could know for sure, for certain that the changes that we implemented during that really special time could be carried out by the next qualified person who luckily, you know, black woman has come and carried that torch forward. And now there's a, there's a woman of, uh, another woman of color in that seat. So like, I feel proud of that. I don't, I never once looked back and made, I never had a single second of regret. I only felt pride in in being able to do what I came to do and I also felt pride in myself and being able to know when to move on and when to keep on betting 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 on on me even when people didn't necessarily see what was next for me I knew I could see, I, I saw it and I went after it and yeah I just never I never looked back but it was hard it was not easy and that's part of why I wrote my first book because I didn't I didn't like that this culture of six this girl boss culture around like success and early success and like celebrating that it, it, it felt like such a one-dimensional version of the story that was being circulated or that even I was kind of sharing on social media because it's not really the place where you can tell the whole story of any story. <laughs> you know, it's just like a place that flattens your life into this 
pretty picture. And I felt like I owed this generation of specifically young, ambitious um, black women, but even women at every every stage in their life and career, I felt like I owed them more because I also wanted to know more. I wanted I wanted an opportunity to be able to start conversations about how are we navigating our trajectories really? Like, how are we dealing with fear? How are we dealing with the challenges of being the only one who looks like us in the room? How are we de- how are we dealing with our imposter syndrome? Like, how are we navigating change? How are we navigating negotiations? Like, I wanted to be in conversation with my community around these things I didn't think we were talking enough about. And that's honestly all I ever wanna do. I feel like that's a through line in all of my work. And, um, I yeah, and I just hope that I hope that in me being really honest and transparent, it it encourages other people to be more honest and transparent about their struggles and also how they overcome them as well, in 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 professional life and in personal life. That's that lifestyle of mentorship coming through. So we really appreciate it. It's so beautiful. You know, I've been holding on to you for quite some time, um, but I just I have one more question that I wanted to ask. So we can end on a lovely, lovely note of more love. We've seen the professional love and the way that you just love on complete strangers, black girls around the world that are looking up to you. Um, But I, you know, you have shared quite a bit in your in your memoir about some of the not as great relationships that still brought you to where you are. But I want to hear now that you are in this beautiful space um, with your husband, your CTO, <laughs> um, and you know, <laughs> with your with your baby. What does uh, being loved well look like for you now that you Oof. know what it doesn't look like? What does it look like now? How does it feel to be loved well? Oh, oh, that's a beautiful question. Oh my God, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna borrow that. I'm gonna start asking people that. That's an important question. Um, And it's an important question to ask ourselves too. Um, When you you pose that question to me, my my mind immediately went to a conversation that I had with, speaking of Beyonce, we have someone that we share in common, a very special person, and that is Yvette Noel Shore who has been on Team Beyonce since the very beginning. And she is just like an auntie to, if you know her, she's your auntie. Like, that's it. She's she's just such a beautiful spirit. And um, she's a black woman in this industry that has accomplished so much. She's a trailblazer in her own right. Um, anyway, she's also Beyonce's publicist. So um, I remember when we first met, it was actually, we were introduced through a podcast um, that like brings people together and then they have interesting conversations. And so I popped up and met her for the first time. And she said to me something that I, to this day, feel like is maybe the best compliment I've ever received. And it was that she, she said, I've watched you move through the world from a distance and whenever I see you, I think to myself, that girl knows she's loved. That's what, that's what it looks like when you know, when you move through the world knowing that you are loved. And not, not in this like conceited or um, big headed or like, 
like main character energy kind of way. But I think she saw something that I didn't even see or appreciate, <sighs> which was where my confidence comes from. And it really comes from being poured into by the people who love me and that I love off the grid, like in real life and through hard times, through, you know, love me through my flaws, like not because of my accomplishments in this world, um, but that holds space for me if I never accomplish a single thing, like that would still love me the same, like that type of love, that unconditional love. And I, I have always had that in my parents. And I, you know, for, for all of their strengths and weaknesses, that is something I don't think I ever identified as like, I don't think I ever gave it enough credit, you know, in terms of it's how it's shaped me and how it's rooted me and how, or it's given me roots in this world and allowed me to, the space to grow into, you know, the oak tree that I'm meant to be. Like I, I've, I've had that love from my parents and and I have found that love in a partner. It isn't something that I've always had. Um, and it isn't something that I need, but it is something that waters my roots and makes me feel like the biggest version of myself. And, the, and like I feel like love, when it's good, positions you in the light. Like I think of Jonathan's love as like water from my roots and someone who can literally push my pot <laughs> into the light. If I'm a plant if I, or if I'm a tree or whatever, it, wherever I'm rooted, he is there watering those roots and repositioning me into the light so that I can see it, so that I can feel it, so that I can be it and like just giving me the space to, to be the plant or the tree or whatever analogy we're gonna go with that I'm meant to be, you know, not trying to make me be something that I'm not, um, not trying to keep me small, not trying to keep me in the dark, um, but really, really, really like taking the responsibility of protecting my light seriously. And like, and I just feel really grateful to know that now, to know that that's the thing to look for that that's the thing that you deserve. Um, and to also now have years of evidence of what that kind of love does in for your for the rest of your life. Like I don't I do not think that I would have weathered some of the storms or transitions or accomplished what I have if I did not have that kind of support at home, underneath me, behind me. Like, I, 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 I owe a lot to the people that have been in my corner from, from day one, my mom and my dad, but also from, from really day one of like the second chapter, sec second act of my life, which is really Jonathan. And so anyway, I, I hope that that encourages somebody out there to like be that for somebody else. Like you, your love, your support, your what you can pour into somebody, you have no idea 
the ways in which that can alter the trajectory of someone's entire life and career um, just by being love, just by showing love, by repositioning them into the light when they need it, by pouring into them. Um, and yeah, so I guess that's my, that's my answer to that question. But I think that's a really, really beautiful um, place to end the interview and a beautiful kind of, I hope it's, a, it's an opportunity for self-reflection for anybody who's listening to this. Like, where is that good love in your life? What does that really feel like? What is that, what are the fruits of that love? Um, and who in your life can you be that for? That's, I wanna go journal about that. That's good. Yes, <laughs> that is beautiful. Yes, thank you so much. <laughs> I mean, we all need that. I'm so glad that you shared that, a love that frees you to be your biggest self. That is just, shout out to Jonathan. Shout out to good men. Shout out to you for shout being here. Shout out to here. good partners. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> we need it, we need it all. So appreciate that, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much, uh, Elaine. I appreciate your time. Thank you. It was such a gift. Thank you so much. My heart feels so full. This was a beautiful conversation. Thank you so much, Elaine, for those beautiful lessons in life and in love. I know what I'm taking away. For one, what's for you can never be unfor you. And for two, to have people in your life who love you enough to be your biggest self. Just beautiful. A huge thank you to European Wax Center for sponsoring She Comes First and reminding us that soul care is self-care and we deserve to experience a new state of smooth. If you haven't already, make waxing a part of your daily routine. Visit a European wax center near you. They have locations nationwide, and if you're a first-time guest, your first wax is free. So learn more at www.waxcenter.com and follow them on Instagram at European Wax. As always, we wanna hear from you. Hit us up on social media at Nicole and tell us how you're prioritizing yourself and practicing self-care. Until next time. <laughs>